added time is supported by Fitbit. With Amazon Alexa built in, your personalised sleep score and a 5 plus day battery life, Fitbit Versa 2 takes smartwatches to the next level. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Pat. Why is that? It's the most wonderful podcast of the year. It's your favourite podcast of the year, I reckon. Every year, yeah. Yeah. It's the books podcast. Christmas is a-coming. Books are getting hot. That didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) But it is time to do our sports book podcast uh, of the year. Uh, And we have an old friend with us. We have Kieran Shannon of the Irish Examiner. How are you? Good to be here. Good to be here. Um... Kieran is uh, one of the uh, few other people in the country that I know that reads all these books, or the vast majority of them every year. Uh, and so uh, he has got uh, saddled with the responsibility of coming and helping us out. Um, you are going to sort of run the show here. Yeah, because I haven't read as many of these books as the yeah. two ye, so I'm just going to prompt the two ye in, in the right directions. What we're going to do is we're eventually going to get into our top five and have a little countdown for ourselves. We're, we're going to give each ye a top five. Yeah to make it fair. But um, just uh, on a general note, what kind of a year for sports books was it? I kind of, I think it's a, a slightly thin year compared to other years. Certainly compared to last year. I thought last or year the was... Or the year before. Or the I year mean, before, yeah. Um, like, uh, the, 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 it's actually not here anymore, the, the Air Sport Book Award. I know, yeah. And a strange thing that they did is actually they nominated the shortlist down to three in recent years. I mm. remember thinking that was that was tough. Mm. I'm thinking of a book like Donald McAnallens and Carmack that didn't get shortlisted, let's say, two years ago. Mm. I think it'd be the number two, number two or three here, easy in a, in another you know in a year like this. Uh, you say it, it, it. There's still good books here, yes. and there's some good books that don't make our top five. With like the depth of there was, let's say, two or three years ago, or in fact, like. I was just saying to Malachi outside, uh, you know, a few years ago I dived into doing the best 40 Irish sports books or whatever, and um, there might be one or two from here who might squeeze into it, maybe, but um, the the quality of Irish sports books from particularly 2000 onwards has been exceptional, you know, like compared to what was before. I mean, I think in that top 40, there was only maybe two books before 1990. Um so the Irish sports book uh, industry or art has been very strong, particularly over the last 10 years. But I would say that, yeah, this year was a little bit of a dip overall quality compared to particularly the last two years. You mentioned there are actually ones um, that um, are missing, say, from your top five, we'll say the honourable mentions. What are the honourable mentions that didn't quite make the, yeah. the top five? Well, there's some that are honourable mentions in that... Uh, we're very close to making our list on merit, let's say. Um, the one that jumps out is Something in the Water by Kieran McCarthy on the Skibbereen phenomenon. Uh, very well-written book. I uh, think maybe maybe the best-written book of the year, I, I thought. Yeah. yeah, and it's a phenomenon. Like Even in the Irish sport, and particularly in the Irish sport uh, high-performance community the, the, and, and in the international high-performance community, there's a mystique about, about Skibbereen, and that comes through... I just felt actually though that, and it's a funny thing to say, without without the O'Donovan brothers, them being central cast characters, I actually felt it lacked a little bit of humour to keep it just moving on a bit more for the general reader. 
to draw in the, the the more casual reader, let's say, but in terms of like like it's real gone for the horse whisperer type uh, and feel, and it's actually beautiful. And so yeah, that was number six for me. I suppose, I suppose then by sins of um, commission or omission or what's omitted. Yeah, I suppose like the two box office books of the year or is uh, obviously Joe Schmidt and one of his former great players, Jamie Heaslip. And I, I, w- I would consider them missed opportunities. Of both of those big yeah, missed opportunities? I, I mean, I thought, and I interviewed Heaslip and and I went to his lunch and obviously there was the whole what, the, the whole thing that Paul Kimmage spotted that, that was um, not consistent with what actually happened, which, which maybe didn't help the book's credibility. But I actually thought it was good. I thought there were some good insights into it. I just felt it was a missed opportunity in that we're now into the high-performance athlete, the 21st century, and I felt it was a chance to, let's say, show the computer readouts of the test scores he's getting. Or He talked very well, Matt Cooper really got him speaking well about uh, visualisation scripts, but I'd have actually liked to have seen an example of an actual script that he did. Um, I just felt... You know, it was a seven out of ten. When just with a with a bit more, it, it could have been a new departure. So I felt there, that that book is yet to be written, and it has to be the right athlete. You can't force it, align it with someone who it's not. I thought Heaslip would have been ideal for that type of book. So um, I, I would say rugby people should yeah still still read it. Um, it's 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 a it's a seven out of ten. It just had the potential to be an eight and a half out of ten. And obviously Schmidt is the same. But and that and and that's not just the journalistic community ganging up together oh he didn't hire one of us you can see the value of a ghost writer and and I know that Schmidt was protective of what could, he could disclose but there's an understanding when you're getting like Donald McRae who, who, who features in this list it, oh, what a word of work ethic like mm. he, he gets in Eddie Jones and turns it around like from what I've dipped in and out of that there, there's genuine insight into that as well now there's insight into Joe Schmidt but the whole point is you could see the value of a McRae being there. And yeah, Joe just an, an, answered the questions he wanted to be asked, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and just he a, asked him of himself. Asked him himself. Of himself. Yeah. And um, I, 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 he made a valuable, a, a, a valid point to Brendan Fanning that sometimes when you go along just with your standard autobiography or even one ghost, well, it tends to go along to a plot, but you don't get to hear enough of what the guy actually thinks. And he's going to, that, that's, that's a fair point, but I, I still think a good ghostwriter could have blended, got the best of both worlds and had a book that made our top five. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what uh, just missed out in your top five? I just missed out for me was Seamus Darby's book about mm-hmm. about that goal with uh, PJ Cunningham, uh, an old boss of ours. Um, that's, should, not, that's, not say. that's not that's why. That's definitely not why. Absolutely. It's actually um, a very good book. And it, I expected... I, uh, it's not that I had low expectations for it. I kind of thought I I had a fair notion of Seamus Darby's story. I thought I had a fair idea of the effect of that goal on his life, etc., etc. I, I didn't. Uh, I was wrong. I, I, you know, there was plenty in here that I didn't know. Um, and I thought, reading it again this week, I thought it was really interesting for the way it is written. It is such a spare book. There's no frippery to it. There's no gilding the lily. There's no, there's no lyricism in the right. It is, she, you, what I take to be Seamus Darby's voice, very straight, very direct, and it's 
he goes through the different things in his life, like the first sort of third of it, quarter of it is about, it's literally about the goal and that game and all of that sort of stuff. And that's amazing. Um, but the rest of it is about his life after it. And like he lived a really hard life. You know, you know, two years after scoring the goal, uh, his first business went bust. Four years after that, his second one went bust and he lost everything. Like within nine years, he's in London scratching about, sort of sleeping on floors, uh, and all of this uh, in the general consciousness is put down to a drink problem, which he says he never had, you know. And um, he lived a really interesting life and is a really interesting book. And it's, as I say, there's no, you know, we talk about something in the water, such a beautifully written book, such a lyrical book, such a a sense of place and, and you know, a, a book with writing in it. This isn't that. This is a guy telling his story, the last word on, on his story. And uh, very good. I'm very good. And just missed out on the top five. You also um, were a fan, though, of the Rick Riley book. We'll give that a brief, a yeah, brief mention. Yeah, uh, like Rick Riley's book. Everybody should read Rick Riley's book. It's great crack. It's uh, called Commander in it's Cheat. It's called Commander in Cheat. It's about Donald Trump, the cheating scumbag golfer, and what that says about him as a cheating scumbag president, really. Um, uh, I actually listened to this book on audiobook uh, in the car. Uh, you can get it for like a tenner and listen to it in the car. It's mighty crack. It is like every, uh, however bad you think Trump is on a golf course, double it and triple it because he's way worse. And he, it, it, it is horrendous. And where, where do you get where do you get the yarns from? Uh, caddies, uh, other uh, other CEOs who played with Trump down the years. Uh, like he 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 once you know he he interviewed Trump loads of times back in the day. All of that stuff. Like there's a, a very basic thing where. Where Trump's big thing about being a golfer is that he has won 20 club championships. Uh, Riley investigates this, like pure journalism, and goes around the 20 that he claims. He actually hasn't even won one. And he runs this as a claim that he, he has won 20 club championships. It's fantastic. It's deadly. It's great crack. Um, but uh, it, uh, it just didn't make the list here. But, but people should read it. Like, it's, it's mighty fun. Yeah, anybody who's read Rick Riley is a very, very funny writer. So we'll get into the top fives. Yes. Um, Kieran, we'll start with you and your number five, Camouflage by Owen Larkin. Yeah. Um, we mentioned a very strong year a couple of years ago, 2017, Jackie Tyrrell's book came out. And you were wondering where else could you go with Kilkenny after it? I mean, there'd been one or two before, obviously, Cody, Charlie Carter in the early years, um, Henry. And then Jackie brought it. He wrote the Kilkenny book, you felt, and you'd wonder where, where is there to go on this? And then Owen Larkin comes along. And obviously he has the angle, you know, the big reveal about, as I call it, like about, let's say, the, his issues with depression. But it's much more than that. And it is interestingly structured, it, it, um, whereby he goes every month of the year. And so therefore it's not, oh, Kilkenny, we won this in 2007 and then we beat the Waterford in 08. Um, so it's I love that. yeah, it really it was, worked. Yeah, it re it really and I worked. I have seen it before. Yeah, like I mean, people are trying to come up with different ways of doing it, and you know, there's been four seasons. Actually, one of the books I have goes for that format too, which has been done before. I haven't really seen this before, um, and you you wonder like, can he sustain this? You know, you get to January, can he sustain this? Mm. But he actually does. There might be one or two passages which you feel are a little stilted, but it it it, it works. And um, an interesting guy who you didn't know was interesting. Mm. And much more, as I said, than the reveal. Very blunt, very, very candid about um, his family life. You know, um, a, a very interesting 
Um, subplot of the book is his relationship with a sister that he, he wasn't aware of that um, was it his, his, his father, father yeah. his father had in a previous relationship fascinating um, and even the, his own relationship with his wife and when they were going out with each other and not going out with each other um, which you wouldn't expect from a Kilkenny hurler let's say the stereotypical but as we know there was much more to them all, along all the way but um it's it's really well written by Pat Nolan. Well, as I said, very well structured, and yet it's own Larkin's persona that comes true for someone we didn't really know. Um, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a, a top book. Yeah. I, you, you liked it. I did like it, and I, there was something odd about it. In I find an awful lot of those GA autobiographies kind of just blend into one, and this book both managed to slightly annoy me mm. and also compel me to finish it. And by the time I got to the end of it, I realised that that was Larkin's voice, I mm. think, mm. which actually did actually come through. And I wasn't sure if it was initially because you get the impression that he's a bit of an ornery character himself. Like, like he's very blunt. Like some of his criticisms of the Cork teams yeah, look, I mean, are very... <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think it just shows you how spoiled they were down there. Um, yeah. Because I remember being, Jesus, I wrote enough about it through the days when we were together. And... Uh, Covering it, and you know, I remember Ben O'Connor at one of the strikes saying, "Look, we want just what Kilkenny have, where a county board is there with a manager that we respect, and we're all pulling together." And that's we want to be Kilkenny, but Kilkenny, I think, particularly when Cork had won those All Irelands in the Kilkenny Gap years, let's say oh four oh five, one was just coming in. Then Cork were the other, and therefore you build them up into mm -hmm. and and and, they and therefore the other. And your identity is the opposite or the antithesis of Cork. Oh, look at them doing this. We're old school, etc. But. Uh, uh, so that wouldn't be one of the appeals as much as it's great for the extras. Oh, look what he said about the tip boy. Like the tip boys did well where he says I could take her. I could them. take her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But uh, no, uh, but that that's him. That was them. And uh, no, um, and, and it was a sleeper. It's again a book you didn't expect to get published and a book that would hit the top five. I mean, it was close for you, Maliki. Yeah, that would be, that would be an honorable yeah. mention for you. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it, more or less, yeah. They, they, like... As I say, I really liked the structure of it. I really liked his voice. I find I find it an odd book at times where there were passages that were just very, like very dull, prosaic. We went on a family holiday and then but we that's did this. Mundanity uh, of life, well, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, he'd go from from zero to serial killer <laughs> in like in the next paragraph. He'd be talking about O'Loughlin Gales, mm. who, who their club rivals, and he'd go and they, these guys they really boil my piss. And I'm going, really? I was going, where did that come from? Yeah, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, really, uh, very mm. an enjoyable. Mm. Mm. It is that book. though that makes it more compelling than some of the other ones, which would like bore a hole in a wall. Mm. But anyway. Um, Malachi, your number five uh, is a slightly different one. I'm definitely going to pronounce the two writers' names wrong here. Pep City, The Making of a Super Team mm. by Lou Martin and Paul Ballas, but they're Spanish names. They're Spanish and they'll never hear this, so we yeah. can call them what we like. Uh, yeah, like, I, uh, I put this in right at the last minute. Like, this was one of the books that I really, really enjoyed. Um, uh, uh, and yet... Okay, look, it, th these two guys, uh, uh, one of them has been friends with uh, Guardiola for 30 years. And when Guardiola moved to Manchester, he moved to Manchester to, to write a book. Uh, and basically, like, he's mates with Guardiola. Guardiola gave him a, an, an all-access pass behind the scenes. Um, uh, and he's essentially been embedded with them for a couple of years. And this is the book that has resulted from it. So is it not just a hagiography then? Yes, it is to a certain extent. And but if that's all it was, it wouldn't be on the list. 
the reason that it's on the list is that um, the, you can't get all that access without or, 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 without finding out things that are interesting. Uh, absolutely, you know, there there are no. I don't know. You wouldn't say that there are trade secrets in here. You don't. You wouldn't say that Klopp is reading it to 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 find out the hole in the Death Star. But as a portrait of the inner workings of a of a super club of of one of the great major sports organizations in the world, I I must say I found stuff on every second page or every third page, and I'm going. That's interesting. And That's is interesting. it about the club in general, not just Guardiola, Absolutely. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There have There's been good Guardiola books, like the Julian Below was yeah, the first I was yeah, seeing, yeah. and then Pep Confidential. Like exactly. The, you know, this is no. This is beyond Guardiola. This is Man City. So mm. it's it's uh, like there's a lot of stuff with Chiki Bigeristan and Ferran Serrano. Uh, there's a lot of stuff with Arteta. There's a lot of stuff, with, and and all of the players seem to have sat down and given them time. But does it and does it get into the sports washing? Does it go the no, UA factor? No, it's, it's none of it's, that. So it's it's the team more it's, than yeah, the club. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, there's none yeah, of that. Right. I, I, mm. I, and like that, you know, the, you would hesitate to recommend it on that on that mm. on that basis. But as a pure sports book, as a as, as an insight into how these teams are put together. How these players are treated, what's expected of them. Mm. Like, there's a cool thing at one stage where Guardiola changes the fine system uh, because he's decided, like, all oh, these guys are billionaires, so what's the point of me fining them? And so the fines, uh, the fine system in the club changes from a monetary thing to a task orientated thing. So uh, mm. instead of being fined five grand a minute for every minute you're late, uh, you have to go and do the dishes mm-hmm. uh, in the canteen with the dinner ladies. For, mm-hmm. for the next day or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just interesting to see little though, bits and pieces mm-hmm. of how how you keep the team, show on the road yeah, 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 yeah. A, mm-hmm. at that that mm-hmm. stratospheric level. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I found it interesting. It is interesting just given that last week um, Frank Lampard's Chelsea finds came out. Did you see those? Yeah, I saw those. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. they were Astonishing numbers, yeah, like yeah. they're being fined, what was it, 10 yeah. grand for being late for exactly. training and stuff and, like and, but that. Th- and this is the point that two years ago, Guardiola basically said, yeah, that's pointless. Wow. So let's find let's yeah. find something that annoys them, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the two of you match up perfectly on your number four selection here. So have I got my five there? Yes, Larkin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just one thing, because Maliki, he's more in, he, he had an intellectual selection. I kept mine to all Irish, but if I was to pick one, there's a book called Boomtown. And um, I love the sound of this. Sam Anderson, yeah, yeah, uh, where Oklahoma, and he went to the Oklahoma the, Thunder basketball. Yeah, team. yeah, and it was the time of um, Durant, Harden, and Westbrook mm-hmm. were all playing together. It was actually 2012, 2013. He's been crafting away with it for the last five years, five years since. But when he when he dipped in, he found actually the team was emblematic of the madness and chaos and newness of Oklahoma itself, and the whole land rush and. So he really dips in to the whole, how the team was actually really Oklahoma, even though what is guys for Harden and Westbrook and Durant, it's yeah. like they're aliens landing in this place. But actually the whole, uh, the, the team were very Oklahoma as it turned out. And it, it's it's fascinating. It's Which maybe, does Yoon does does get there at number four? Because <laughs> we can see he branched out. Is, yeah. that, is that our four? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was Sam Anderson, but... Um, yeah, well, let's go into we it. I love, the sign, I love the sign. I love the sign that yeah, book. Yeah, I d- yeah. I'll definitely be getting it. Should have known that Kieran had managed to get a basketball mention in uh-huh. there somewhere. Yeah, number four is Chaos is a Friend of Mine by Ewan McKenna, mm. which is the book about 
Conor McGregor, but as you were pointing out, it, it's about more than just Conor McGregor. Yeah, like uh, I, I think we should all point out from from the beginning. Uh, Ewan McKenna is a friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, though, as Kieran said earlier, uh, th- that would nearly count against him as much as count for him in getting into these lists, um, because I had to think long and hard about whether to put it in. Um, but I think it deserves it in the end because it is an attempt at a different sort of book. His uh, ho- Ewan interviewed Conor McGregor in 2013 when McGregor was nobody. He was on the cusp of getting into the UFC, but he was still he was basically still or, or very recently an apprentice plumber who had ditched that, gone on the dole to try and get into the UFC. Uh, and Ewan wrote a kind of a rags to potentially Rich's story about him, uh, but met him for an hour and really liked him. Really liked this kid who was dreaming big in a world, you know, you, you know, the idea of a, a, a kid in Dublin making it to the UFC in 2013, would, is, you may as well try say I'm dreaming of being an astronaut. Like it was just, it just it wasn't a thing. It never, it just didn't happen. McGregor, McGregor's story then went where everybody knows it went. He became the person that everybody knows he became. And over the years, Ewan fell out with him, fell out with his team. Uh, and Interestingly, he fell back in with Kavanaugh. He did fall back in with Kavanaugh, yeah. yeah. Which, which is interesting because I remember that, you know, and I exactly, remember challenging yeah. Kavanaugh, but he said, I might have been out of order. And in fairness, he, he cooperated. And I found mm. that was the, some of the passages that were earlier, like Kavanaugh was more objective witness. Yes. And actually the boxing coach... Uh, sorry, John Kavanaugh would have been his coach in the... Uh, Straight blast, straight blast, yeah. So would have, would, would basically have, you know, he was his Mickey, I guess, you know, as in Rocky. And uh, you would have had, um, but the interesting thing was um, the boxing coach, I thought, had an interesting where he said, like, they don't hang out together, yeah. the boys anymore. Connor, Connor needs to cop on, I thought. Yeah. I thought that was. There was a lot of that in it. And, yeah. And, and, and Took so, a while to get to it, no. Yeah. I, I felt it could have been. 10% of it could have gone, but I, I love the ambition of the book and the concept of the book. I mean, not just so We should say that the concept of the book mm-hmm. is that uh, it sort of charts the rise and fall of Conor McGregor, but it's not just that. that that's only a big, maybe only half of it. The other half of it is what his rise tells us about society, about celebrity culture, about, uh, you know, as Ewan would, would have it, the sort of degradation of the modern world and the dumbing, relentless dumbing down of, of, of the celebrity-laden world and what effect McGregor had on it even as he rose through it. So it's a polemic at the back mm-hmm, of it all. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, it's not, you know, on the one hand, on the other hand, Ewan has come to this with a, a specific point of view and his specific point of view is that McGregor is a symptom of everything that is wrong with the world and the world is is a, a shithole. Uh, and and look, how can we stand idly by and watch the idiots, the rise of the idiots and all that sort of stuff. And you're kind of, at a certain point, you have to decide for yourself how much stomach do you have for all of that? How much, how far you can get? Like, no, and look... He interviews psychologists, he interviews, you know, people, uh, professors, college people. He interviews people who are close to the MMA, close to um, the UFC, close to McGregor, all that sort of stuff. Like he, he does the work to try and support his thesis. Um, I've, 
my own thing by the end, I'm not sure he quite, he really proved his thesis. You know, I'm not sure. Mm. But but like that's down to you. But I think it's the first stab at um, like ESPN do their 30 for 30s. News Talk have been doing a couple mm. of ones like the Wimbledon mm. one, you yeah. know, the, the, the radio. And like McGregor is going to be one of those things in 10 years. What was all that about? Yeah. And this is the first attempt I've is, seen. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ewan has nearly got it in already. Like, even like it is like you look at the time frame. It is crazy. Like twenty thirteen McDonald's. Yeah. Twenty fifteen, he's there already. Mm. And then, so like, is it like, and, and, and now it's as he said, it's three years since he he won yeah. in the octagon, and already it's. Do you remember that? And um, but it's going to be all the more. And I know there've been documentaries on, but that that perspective that, um, like. And I think Ewan has nearly got the first draft on that. And so, yeah, it, it's it's worthy of a top four spot. And number three, you also match up on, um, this is actually a book that I read as well and particularly enjoyed, The Double, How Cork Made GA History by Adrian Russell. Kieran, it basically, <laughs> finally, in a way, tells the story of Cork winning the double and hurling football in 1990, an achievement that sort of is underranked in are yeah, underrated well, well, in the I, GA. Yeah, well, my, my own take on it is, and maybe because I am from Cork, I, I, I think the, the story had been underplayed and it, it's great that it's gone to it. I don't think the achievement, I, I think the achievement was Teddy McCarthy's, right? That's very uh, harsh. Because, no, but I, like, I, I'm not just saying, Cork should be winning more doubles. So to me, it was so that that would be my own take on it, right? But there's that's a whole Kieran, other book. Kieran Shannon right. from Douglas County but, Cork. But can I say I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I mean, I I, I was eighteen um, that summer, and uh, parts of where Adrian Russell takes you bring back memories, and um, so thought it was a really good book. Um, I thought. He told me some stuff I didn't know, like more of the backstory of the canon. I thought he brought the canon really to life. And even though I think Adrian's... Canon uh, Michael O'Brien, that yeah, is. Canon yeah, Canon Michael O'Brien, who's... Um, yeah, short end here in car. But, <laughs> it, you know, they Adrian from his alma mater and obviously has a certain um, favourable predisposition towards him, but doesn't, you know, his whole complexity and flaws come across too. Um, so I, I thought he was very good on that. Um like even the intro going with the um, the Brian, Brian Keenan, Keenan which mm. is an interesting angle. Like he put in the calls, right? He put in a call to Tommy Sugru, like at thirty years on, who was the referee who gave me the very dubious penalty or free in that allowed them to go to a replay, which they won. So, you know, there was things I was unaware of, which is the whole dynamic between. Like I didn't, I knew uh, obviously John Kearns and Jerk Cunningham were two bars men who were the two goalkeepers. What I didn't know was that. Cunningham was the sub goalie for the footballers, mm. and Kearns was the sub goalie mm. for the hurlers. Mm. So they had and they that bond. Together. So there, there was loads of little things like that, and um, I just felt myself that there was another little level. Larry Tompkins was a brilliant contributor to him, and he got great stuff from him on challenging Colm O'Neill, right? About like particularly, which was Nirvana for Cork was when the the day after the Ireland Italy game, Cork went and. Um, Hammered Kerry 223 to 111, two wides, right? And Colm O'Neill just put on an exhibition and how Tompkins got him. Because Cork were down five or six players. They had a real great squad. Tompkins was brilliant for that. I just felt, and it's funny that, and I remember thinking, just reading it, and a week or two later, Tompkins gave a podcast to the to the examiner and 
the away from the light stuff I felt like we're, and I, I've interviewed Tompkins a lot through the years where the, the dedication to the free taking but the, the madness of the running how he ended up in New York how he left Kildare that backstory I felt there needed to be a bit more that of that I know there's, he, he got some good stuff on Man United there was more again I just felt there was a little bit more of the madness of some of these guys, like and, and like, if, he didn't just end up in any place. He ended up in Castlehaven, Cahillan. Um, like you'd hear stories about Cahillan trying to get injections from vets, like to get fit for games, mm. like or like you know, he's cycling in forty miles to get fit. All this stuff, like whereas the quote you get from Cahillan, and Cahillan can be this. Cahillan's the only person I've interviewed in the Examiner Saturday, and I've actually said, you know what, I'll just maybe make that a little column or something else. He can be. Uh, there's more in Cahillan. Cahillan was on about how he wanted to prove Pat Spillane wrong after Pat Spillane gave him a torch in 84, I think it was. I, I felt there was just a, a little bit more of that could have come across. Uh, but there was brilliant stuff. Like uh, As much as we, you knew about the Meath rivalry, and he got great contributions from Liam Hayes, mm. some very good stuff from Babs. Mm. Um, so Cyril Farrell. Cyril Farrell, yeah. And, um, and, and the, the, the bit where... like. For John Kern's wedding, that the or it's a funeral, for God help it, that where the the Mead players, you know, took the coffin through parts of um, through the streets uh, of Cork, it was a powerful image that I, I wasn't aware of, and he paints that very well. And um, so yeah, it, it's the it deservedly top three. I think Malachy, part of that book is because it's written at a distance. You know, unlike some of the autobiographies that we see mm. churned out. The distance allows all those stories to breathe. Yes. They can look back in them mm. and say, look at the madness of some mm. of what went on. Kieran, like you make a, a good point, although uh, we laughed at it. Like the, the, the achievement was Teddy McCarthy's the, for the simple reason that these are two distinct stories. Mm. They, like the, the, they're two teams that have almost nothing to do with each other, uh, except a bit of crossover. Dr. Khan, Kid Cronin, Frank Murphy, I guess, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but obviously, Teddy McCarthy and uh, Dennis Walsh to a lesser extent. But um, it is two stories in, in in one book. And like, there's a great line from Cahillan uh, in between the two finals. Uh, like, Teddy McCarthy uh, arrives in after a week celebrating having won the hurling. Uh, he also had a kid in the middle of it. Keen McCarthy was mm, was born. Mm, mm. Like what? What a mad couple of weeks yeah, in somebody's yeah. life. You win two All Irelands and have your son, <laughs> or find a son, your son arrives. Um, but uh, McCarthy arrives in, and and Cal Anshu, the only double that he's any good for now is a double whiskey because he's been on the piss after winning the hurling. But Cal Anne has a great line that he gives to Russell, where he goes, um, "Yeah, like the the hurlers totally fucked us. They went and won." The, the All-Ireland when nobody had a fucking clue and sorry I'm quoting him here I'm not m- making up the curses when nobody had a fucking clue that they were any good they came out of nowhere and put the whole pressure of the whole country down mm. on us to have to go and win the football then to make this brilliant story because that like it well, almost there's that scene where but it Morgan al- was at the match and so someone comes up it's over to you know yeah. and like of course but that was it it, mm-hmm. it almost it was almost never it, like for something that was such a big thing it wasn't a big thing until you know it was a big thing for about three weeks, not for ni- not for the whole of nineteen ninety. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. a quest for them to win the Dublin nineteen ninety, but for about three weeks well, in sort of late tip, August and early tip, September. Once the big tip, it, it was on, like you know. But it was a really enjoyable book. But yeah, book, no, yeah. very good book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah actually, and what neither of you mentioned there is how incredibly funny this book is. I I man. laughed out loud yeah. more reading this book than right. any other book yeah. this yeah. year. John Fitzgibbon, like he brings him yeah. to life well. 
Um, Malachi, we're going to skip your number two because it's okay. going to pop up later on and we're going to go uh, straight uh, to Kieran's number two. The Pressure Game by Kevin Maxday. Yeah. Tell us about that. A sleeper. It, mm. it, it hasn't got a whole lot of attention since maybe his extracts in your paper. Um, but I can see why you've got him as a contributor because I thought this book was just dripping with insight mm. and honesty. Um, I feel... I was reading it there again last night and I was saying this is Liam Hayes ghosted it. Uh he you can see he structured it, it's his style, but it is so Kevin McStay. Yes. Absolutely. And it like the first chapter some of it was used in your extract was the, the second of the Super Eight games in twenty eighteen up in Donegal and there was the thing with the linesman, but it that was just shows you the pressure that, that was going on. But the whole chapter and he's just touching on little insights. Like he's talking about how the digital, how the library is shared, but he said, Kerry don't share. Just, it was, he just leaves it there. He talks about the, you can, he, like this guy is living it, right? And he talks about, he admits that when I was in the Sunday game, I felt I knew what those guys were going through. I, I, who was I to criticize these guys? Mm. I, I, now I know. But, you know, he's talking about how you can see, like the insights, like where he has about, you know, how Tyrone, their passing was just so superior to theirs. He talks about, he uses terms like, uh, we didn't have the aerobic qualification. I can't believe I'm saying that, but like, that's a huge theme about how Ruscommon didn't actually have the base of strength and conditioning to go with the top four. They were in that top six to eight, and they were really, yes. like, and he talks about how mm. Monaghan were, who they looked at. But how, 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 you know, the top three or four just are on another level. But he's very good on his background. He, he talks about this term about his father. We talk, don't be slobbering. And he admits how he slobbered. He, he dips in mean? and out. Where it means you're, 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 yeah, yeah. Or you're fecking a boat, basically. Again, and he talked about how he, how he did that in his college years, even in the army. So he dips in and in nicely out of his old career. But it's, it's focused on those three years with Roscommon. That was what I loved about it, Kieran, is that... Uh, it is as close as, as as you get right now to a sort of contemporaneous account of what the very, very top level mm-hmm. of intercounty is. And like other books are out, like Philly McMahon brought out a book, yeah, no, J.O. Like, brought but, but, out but, but, a from book. From the perspective of manager, like, just, I, I did one of the first with Mickey Hart, but that, the, the, Tyrone were in this little bubble and as much as they were trying to win their first, it was all the gang mm-hmm. and it, it had a certain different feel. This is the pressure game. Yes. And that and, and the squeeze, like where it's been, it's talked about. Like he, he talks about how Fergie O'Donnell, and he, again, he's very honest about. He's very respectful. He he, he comes across as a very fair man, mm. but how how Fergie O'Donnell himself, their their friendship broke up. But how in twenty sixteen, the first year, they're closing the gate, the gates. Like the, the, everyone else has gone home for an hour and a half. They're mm. locking the gates, and they joke about. It. Do you think Jim Gavin's doing this up above? And. Uh, he brings you to those places where the only other books that I felt like obviously Mickey's done another one with, with, with McFoley. Uh, Todd Anthony Daly, you got a bit of it, right? But I, I think this brings it to another level and therefore it's, it's a bit of a departure. And I do feel, uh, it's funny, last year I felt Mike Ross, which was again was sta- uh, published by, was it Hero Publications, the, the Liam Hayes stable, I felt it could have got a bit more love. I, I, I don't know what it is, but to me, and he goes to the two, I, I really just think that this is another level of insight and if you're talking particularly for the J follower like this hasn't got you're the right. same maybe right, yeah. Raj about, about yeah. it the way that Larkin has yeah. but to, to me It's gone under uh, the radar a bit Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have it right up there No it's good to actually bring it up above the radar then because it has slipped by a lot um, Malachi that brings us to your number one 
And I haven't read this and I don't think uh, Kieran has either. So you're you're on your own in this one. But In Sunshine or in Shadow by Donald McRae. Why are we doing my number one first? Uh, because uh, the <laughs> Kieran's number one overall ranks higher. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> so, that. Well, that's before, only because that's the phone. That's only because I, I, actually, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't get reading this. I'm nearly saving it as a treat for Christmas time. Uh, so I, I trust Malachi's judgment on this, and maybe it'd be my number one if uh, I read it. But don't I you haven't read it. my ranking system. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Sunshine or in Shadow by Donald McRae, and it is it is my book of the year uh, and it is one of the best best books about Irish sport if you want to loosely put, put, to say that um, of the decade I would say definitely like it is so essentially it's the story of a guy called Jerry Story who's this sort of figure that people vaguely will have heard of if you're into boxing you know who Jerry Story is if you're into Irish sport the name will kind of ring a bell is there Dominic Casey like, exactly he's Dominic Casey of, of, of Skibbereen Rowan Club he is he is this this guy who has run the Holy Family Boxing Club uh, in Republican New Lodge in Belfast for decades upon decades upon decades and out of it has come boxer after boxer after boxer from Barry McGuigan, all the way up to Paddy Barnes, you know, like everybody, everybody who's anybody in the North sort of came through Holy Family. The thing was, he was running this boxing club in a Republican area, in the middle of the worst of the worst of the troubles. Like, you know, we're talking 70s, 80s, you're talking daily atrocities, you're talking killings, you're talking abductions, you're talking a dirty, dirty war. And the one place where Protestants and Catholics, loyalists and Republicans, could walk into and be safe and be and nobody like they'd get the shit kicked out of them. But in the boxing ring, like that, that your religion did not matter uh, was Holy Family Boxing Club. And this story is the, the more you read it, it, it is amazing what Jerry's story was able to do. There's a, an amazing scene about a f- quarter of the way in where. Story is uh, running boxing nights, and he he has his li- he has his club, and 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 like his background is you know his his brother was an IRA man, a very famous IRA man. Like he has deep his family have deep deep Republican roots, deep deep IRA roots, and he gets uh, summoned to a meeting on the Shanker Road, uh, where he is there to meet the heads of the UVF, the UDA, and the UDR, like the like the three top top loyalist hard men in Ulster uh, call him to a meeting. Uh, he goes along, sits down in front of him, sits across the table from the three of them. And like the tension as you're reading this, you're going, what, what, what the hell? And they say, Jerry, we know what you're doing and you're fine by us. And if you want to bring your lads over to box in the shankle, we will absolutely guarantee your security. We love boxing. We love that you are getting the young lads into boxing. If you want to, and uh, and you can be absolutely assured that no no harm will ever come to you as long as uh, we are around. And this is the loyalist leaders talking to the brother of a, of an IRA man. And so he's a miraculous figure in a way. And you're re- so he is the sort of the driver of the story. And from him, he's the sort of hub around which the four different stories are told. Barry McGuigan. Uh, fought with fought with Jerry Story, uh, and then you know went on to become Barry McGuigan, 
Uh, Huey Russell and Davy Larmer were these two two lads, one a Catholic, one a Protestant, both the same weight, ended up fighting each other in a couple of really famous wars, bloody wars in, in, in the King's Hall or the Ulster Hall in Belfast. I always mix up which is which. To the extent where, you know, one night they fight each other, beat the living head off each other, uh, and uh, Larmer drives Russell to hospital. And they both go, and there's a brilliant scene where they're both sort of sitting on a hospital bed and the two of them, you know, their faces beaten to, to a pulp, blood everywhere. And the doctor goes, who did that to you? And they both point at each other and say, he did. <laughs> and so it's just, it's amazing, a really incredible book. And it's essentially how boxing survived the Troubles. And it's not, you know, there's so much tragedy in it. And yet there's there's this sort of shining beacon through it. But it's not like he doesn't, McRae, Donald McRae is just this amazing writer. And he doesn't make more claims for boxing than it deserves. He doesn't say, you know, that it solved the troubles or that it helped the peace process or anything like that. Jerry's story, actually, like there's some of the really harrowing bits in it are he goes in and teaches boxing to the lads in the H-blocks, uh, like Republicans and Loyalists. And like eventually he had to stop doing it because it was too much even for him because he saw these lads, these 23-year-old lads, with their lives just gone, you know, like, like no hope. This was in the depths of the depths. And it's um, it's fantastic, but really, really excellent. Um, finally, we'll move on to Malachi's number two, as he'd uh, like to make clear, and uh, Kieran's number one, <laughs> "Recovering" by Richie Sadler. Um, what was it about this, Kieran, that appealed yeah, to you? Yeah, I, I, I think I was one of the first to review it. I, I got it sent the day it sent it. It actually came in handy. I think it was a day or two before I write the column, and I just took it into the room and write, "Will this hold me?" And from the first page. It held me, um, which is a tribute to obviously Richie Sadler and to Dion Fanning because it's 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 really well paced, it's really well structured. He brings you like because the family years is a challenge. Now it's pivotal to his story as it emerges, but not even just let's say his father, but let's say his siblings, his mother. All of these people really come three D characters. Um, he seems this good natured kid liked his football, loved his football, where he got proper nurturing uh, coming through uh, uh, his club and then goes to Millwall and uh, stupid machismo of the early 21st century, late, the, the match on 1990s. And he, he was a victim of it of sorts. He, he paints that dressing room, even though he went along with it and he talks about it. Um, and then... I suppose one of the things, and I, uh, I mentioned this, which was the big shock to me was um, was when Richie did retire and he, he came more into media. I've never met the man, but obviously I've followed him and his columns were excellent. And he was writing for the Sunday Indoor Weekly. He was appearing in RT and he had this persona of cool, control even, of himself. Uh, and what it's amazing to realise in all those years, let's say he was... CEO of St. Pat's he was off his head a lot of the time um, and just how what, how just turbulent it was his his inner turmoil uh, it was spiralling out of control it was just shocking and um, he, he, he goes into detail on that and of course then he realises part of what, what it stems from he, he and he starts recovering he calls it recovering it's not like re- recovered but it is it is a happy because you feel it, and he, he subsequently gave an interview which was more about how he is now. Uh, 
obviously he was abused he which it took a lot of honesty to talk about particularly go on to the late late show that was the Friday previous to me just getting to read the book um was it, it is interesting the whole John Leonard's book was uh, the, these victims, and yet they, they they just give you the minimum, but the impact is enough. There's no point. Like I was watching Spotlight, where they talked about the reporters were talking about we we need for this to be a bit more for it to have impact. Mm. But they were they were taking on an institution, but the impact that it has on him and the way that he talks then about like I mean obviously he now helps people, um, and and it is so, but it is more than just someone who sometimes you get it where it's more. You want it to be both where it, it's more than sport, right? But sometimes you feel sometimes books are cheating and there's, sport is only 10% of it. He's brilliant on the dressing room yeah. he's, he's, and he's brilliant on the RT studio mm. and the dynamics of that and coming in. So it is a sports book, but it's like all the best sports books, it's much more than sport. And um, so I thought it was excellent. That is the real skill of it, Mal, isn't it? That he has various strings to his bow and he ties them all together rather than kind of leaving you wanting more in one particular area. Absolutely. And he could have written, you know, he, he could have done a kind of a lucky dip and taken three or four different aspects of his life, the footballer, the pundit, the abuse victim, you know, he could he could have, and, and, and made a great book out of that. But it is so skillfully done that, uh, and I, and there is, something really interesting about the choice about the abuse like the abuse isn't mentioned sp- explicitly until I think two thirds of the way through page yeah, two page two breaks down after the little car exactly but you're not told why you're not told why and all the way through the book um, he's in his own head he's relentlessly sort of self-critical he's he, he gives himself terrible kind of you know he's very hard on himself and when he opens a chapter by very simply saying when I was 14 I went to a physio and I was abused um, it doesn't come as a twist near the end of the book it doesn't jump out as a surprise you read it and you go okay it ties everything that went before together and when you think about it like as you're saying Kieran, a lot of people when they have their big reveal, first two chapters, opening chapter maybe, you know, it's, this is what this book is about. Yeah. Uh, but the confidence, the writerly confidence to tell his whole story and then get to the the sort of setup for the last third of the book uh, while tying together the two thirds that went before. I thought it was, I thought that was really, really brilliant storytelling. And the thing is, apart from that, um, you're exactly right. If if you were just up for reading a book about a footballer and what it's like to be in a dressing room, loads of that here. Loads of the idiotic excess. Like it's, it's crazy of, hearing like about you know, like and Wenger had been in the game a few years at this point, like where there weren't the macho culture, you couldn't take a drink. It was a sign of a weakness. Like yeah. I remember hearing that about car curlers in the sixties and seventies, like that was yeah. the sixties and seventies. <laughs> this is a professional yeah. game in the early nineties. Yeah. You're going like what? Yeah. Like so, uh, very revealing, and like what you want is insight, and and it's a story. And That's the great the thing. thing is he's 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 come true. You know, the, some of those books with guys, and like when Paul McGrath wrote his book, we were just listening mm. to Vincent was on mm. with yourself on another podcast recently. How is Paul now? Mm. Like, mm. is it like he was worried for him? You yes. know, mm. you do feel. Sadler has got his support and the relationships in his life are in a great spot now, which is which is which was again 
a great way to finish it. Yeah, it is brilliant. And I'm, I'm currently reading it mm. and I'm delighted by the fact. I was worried it might be a trudge. That's it. And it's absolutely it's not. It's not miserable. It's not miserable yeah. and it's uh, it's not navel-gazing. Mm. It's um, a good story and he actually has... Like he's he said, a great I'm, companion in it because, he, because he's so... I think that his voice is a very likeable voice. You know, it's a reasonable, it's curious, it's self-questioning. And I, I, like at times I was reading it going, God, I wish I was this self-questioning of myself in stressful situations, you know. And, and um, no, I really, it, it's an, such an enjoyable book to go along with. That was great, lads. Um, like, I mean, you started off this by saying it was kind of a thin year. Yeah. And where already I've got a few Christmas presents and a few <laughs> that I know I'm going to steal off Malachi's desk before the week is out. And have already. And have already, yeah. indeed. Uh, Kieran Shan, thanks great, so much great for joining to us. Up again, Pat. Great, great to have you. Yeah. Thanks, Mal. Thanks, Pat. Uh, thanks to JJ behind the desk and to Declan. And we will talk to you next week. Added Time is supported by Fitbit. Get real time insights on you and your world with the Fitbit Versa 2, the all new premium smartwatch with Amazon Alexa built in your personalised sleep score and a 5-plus day battery life. 